You are listening to The Happy Gynecologist with your host, Amanda Miles, MD. Hey y'all, welcome back to The Happy Gynecologist, episode number 152. The three mistakes I made hiring a scribe. Well, hello, my friends. How are you? I am so glad you are here. I um, am going to be having a little story time today <laughs> about some of my recent adventures, and I hope that um, that this little story time can help you in some way. And this is not a humble brag, okay? I don't want you guys out there like, oh, I don't have a scribe. I don't ever have a chance to do that. This doesn't apply to me. You know, like, don't be thinking that way, okay? This is a good episode for anybody out there that works with people that are in a hierarchy, (laughs) okay? So it doesn't have to be um, that you are hiring someone. It doesn't have to be that you are in private practice or it doesn't have to be that you are even graduated from residency. This is a excellent episode for anyone out there that is working in a hierarchy just like we pretty much always do in medicine, okay? Whether that hierarchy is in residency, where you are above, you know, med students, or um, you are above an intern, or you are a fellow above residents, you know, wherever you're at. Maybe you're a new attending and you're above all the residents now um, at an academic center, Um, but you're still in the hierarchy below a bunch of other uh, physicians and specialists and that kind of thing, right? Um, Maybe you are in private practice, and you um, are like directly in charge of your MA. Um, maybe you are employed and you have a team in your office, like an, an MA um, and a front desk person that, you know, are assigned to you, um, you know, through, through some, some cost center or whatever, you know, however the, the employed physicians, you know, how we, how we, um, are, are employed and we have kind of these different ways that we're, we're basically told like, you know, uh, these are your people, right? Um, maybe you are a hospitalist and you are interacting regularly, um, with mid-levels or um, maybe you're interacting with people out in the community or maybe you're just interacting with the nurses. Okay. There's still a hierarchy there. It doesn't matter, um, about, you know, like where, where we're at. Um, you don't have to be hiring a scribe to learn from my mistakes, but I want you to know that these mistakes are things that we can, we can make these mistakes no matter what, like no matter where you're at in your life. And so I just wanted to kind of tell you kind of what was going on for me recently. And kind of as I reflect on this, um, how I thought you guys might benefit from that. So now I've mentioned to you guys here before that whenever I took my current job, it had a lot of bells and whistles that were supposed to fix my burnout, right? Um, And so uh, when, you know, it didn't fix my burnout forever and I was shocked, (laughs) I came to realize that, yes, like I am grateful that I have these bells and whistles, but obviously it didn't change my brain to have a scribe. Um, It didn't rewire the beliefs I had or the thoughts I had or what I was taught to do in residency. Um, And so just know that it's, you can have a really nice setup and still have burnout if your brain doesn't make any changes, right? That's why we're here. (laughs) So anyway, I've mentioned that um, my job, it, we, we have scribes where I work. Okay. And I love that. It's a game changer. A scribe 
for me is more than just the charting aspect um, because where I work, we only have like one MA that's yours, right? Um, or one LPN or something like that, okay? One nurse, one one person that is yours. I know a lot of people have like shared, um, like you have like one and a half and you share with someone. Um, and so this is kind of our way of increasing like how many, how many employees we have per physician. Um, and so it's, it's um, kind of an interesting way that we do it because we actually, I use a scribe kind of as an MA um, and essentially they, um, they, the company that I work for, the hospital I work for, hires a scribe at a little less than the rate of an MA. So um, unless they can take vitals and such and, and go through like the little training um, to become an MA, um, then basically we hire them as a second MA. So it's nice because the scribe will also assist me in the rooms and they hand me like the pat brush and, and all of that, right? Um, and so so <laughs> I want you to know, like, that's kind of how I utilize the scribe. I've had people ask me that, like, okay, so they just like type your, your stuff. And it's like, well, yes, but I also utilize them as my chaperone, as my assistant in the rooms, as like my person that's like arranging things and scheduling things. And so um, we have very, at least I try to have very high functioning scribes. And so it's kind of more than just scribing. And so for those of you out there, I know that there have been a lot of questions recently that I've had about some of the AI scribes and that kind of thing. And I really think that those could be really beneficial for some specialties. But for us, like we always have to have someone in the room with us anyway. So why not, you know, make the most of that? But um, if, if the AI scribe is the only option you have, then hell yeah, like do it. Like whatever helps you um, get out of there quicker and finish your day so you can go have you time. Okay. Um, and so the other thing I want you to know is that I haven't had a scribe for over a year because of how this little story time went down <laughs> and these three mistakes that I made. And so part of that was because I was um, really in a place of not owning my feelings about this situation and the mistakes that I made. <laughs> I wasn't owning them. I wasn't taking responsibility for my part in creating a situation that just didn't turn out very good. So I wallowed in that misery for a while. And by the time I was done wallowing, our organization actually went into a hiring freeze um, at the beginning of the year. Um, like many organizations out there, I think, like we had lost a lot of people, a lot of turnover, a lot of our funding had gone away, like as a rural place um, had gone away. So we were like scrambling and thank goodness, like everything's going well now. But um, in, that, in that time, hiring for that position was paused. And so, um, so we are now interviewing for a new person for this position. And so I've been really reflecting on what I learned last time and how I want to go about it this time around. And so I, um, I'm also going to share with you how I'm doing it differently this time in the end. So, and I'll give you, there'll be a link in the show notes so you can go see exactly what I mean by that. Um, because I, essentially um, have, I've made a document that is going to maybe change the way that you think about interacting with people that are below you in the hierarchy. And so um, I'm going to lay out exactly what that looks like um, for me and for this position, but you can use it for anywhere that you apply that to. Okay. So you can go look at it and you can get ideas for how you interact with your team at the office um, or at the hospital or with like 
hiring people at home, like nannies or um, mother's helpers or, or like um, people that work around your house or something like that. Okay. Um, so if you hire any help out. Now, I don't technically hire my own people per se. I am employed. So my organization technically hires them, but I have a big say in it. I am part of the interview process. I say yes or no, that kind of thing. Right. And I really think that, you know, the mistakes that I made, I think that you can apply these lessons, like I said, whether you hire anyone new into your office or not. But I also think that they're just helpful to have on hand, like with the amount of turnover medicine is seeing right now, it might be something handy for all of us to have on hand <laughs> because there is a lot of turnover. And so, so anyway, okay, let's get down to it. Story time, right? So in a nutshell, um, like rewind back to last summer, my fantastic scribe, Meredith, um, that I'd had for a little over a year, I think about a year and a half. Um, I think, I think that was it. Uh, maybe a little longer. I don't remember, but she, uh, she went off and started medical school and I was real sad for a while. Um, and once I got past my moping, we interviewed and we found another candidate that seemed really good and we hired her. And so for those that are looking into this yourselves, like if you are like wanting to go to your organization and ask for a scribe, I live in a college town. So I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, that's home of Oklahoma State University. So this position is usually advertised as like a gap year type position um, or a position that will lead to like a good letter of recommendation on your way to medical school or PA school or something like that. So it's, it's that's, that's how they market it. And that's how we get actually really good candidates that really typically um, go above and beyond and are just fantastic candidates because they're really involved and they want to learn. Like that's what they're, they're like dying to learn about medicine. Okay. And that like thirst for knowledge makes them really effective at what they do. And so anyway, this whole ordeal was really a lesson in leadership for me that, um, kind of, I want to, <laughs> I want to like show you because it was an utter shit show for several months. Okay. So we take on this new candidate and I thought it was going to go fine. And it was a total, total shit show, y'all. It, um, <laughs> it, like, whenever it's not going well like that, like, it makes you just not want to go to work, okay? It was to the point that, like, I was extremely frustrated and um, felt like I was trying to, like, show her what to do at her job, like, try to do her job and my job and, like, teach her how to do her job. And part of that had been, I'd been kind of really spoiled by someone that really took ownership over that, I think. But um, I'd been spoiled by, you know, my previous scribe, but like also, I think that the, the first problem was maybe, was that I, I hired her and I expected her to show up and be good to go. Okay, so that's like mistake number one. Um, and the problem is, is like whenever we hire someone into our office, like, we kind of expect them to arrive and just kind of figure it out like we did. Like we would love for them to show up on day one and just like know what to do and how to do it. And, you know, sometimes they get a small amount of training and but like we, we expect them to like function at this super high level. And so whenever they don't, you know, so whenever this candidate, this, this sweet girl, it wasn't, you know, performing to where I thought things should be. 
I was extremely disappointed. I was very frustrated, which looking back now, I could see was extremely unfair. Um, and part of that is because in medicine, we have this really unreasonably high expectation whenever it comes to preparedness and like performance for ourselves, but also for others, right? So others that are working in and around the same job that we are, we forget that we are on a very high tier of like education and training and like mental grittiness and like all the things, right? Like we have, you know, like been through hell and back, right? Like we, we survived residency, we survived med school, we are here. And I think that I, you know, expected her to be like an eager intern that had like been studying and, you know, all, all year, you know, before showing up for that first day. And that's just not normal, right? And so that's not, that's not how it is out in the real world, right? So for those of you in academics, like you're like, well, it's normal for us maybe, but like, so what I want you to know is just like, if you find yourself hiring someone or even just working with someone and you feel like they should know more than they do, remind yourself that not everyone out in the world is a med student or an intern. They don't, they don't, you know, want to learn all the things. They don't, um, you know, have that drive all the time, right? Like, People outside of medicine haven't had to drink from the proverbial fire hydrant, right? That we had to in med school. And good for them. I envy that, right? But we can't expect them to show up and function as if they have. And I think that this is a good lesson, this mistake of like having this super high expectation um, of them to like being ready to, to go like on day one. Because I think that we sometimes lose sight of that with, even with like new nurses, right? And so like on the floor, um, if we're interacting with someone who's, you know, you know, a year out of nursing school, we sometimes have that frustration or that kind of like, they should be getting this, you know, they should be, they should be doing better or like, you know, those thoughts at least may be there, right? Like I, and, and I'm not the only one that thinks that. I know, I know I'm not, y'all. Um, but it, it, I know it feels kind of, it feels kind of gross for me to say that out loud. Um, because we do have those thoughts because we have been trained to have that high expectation. Okay, our brains have been trained for that. And so we just need to realize that, you know, remind ourselves the difference between our lives and their lives. It's, it's likely a very big difference in so many ways. But remember, it's kind of like OBGYN normal versus regular normal right? And those are very different. And just because someone is regular normal doesn't mean that they are dumb or incapable or untrustworthy, right? We have to remind ourselves of that. They are still good people out there working hard to learn this stuff and do their best. So yeah, anyway, a few weeks in, I realized that the scribe was not getting the hang of anything. Um, And she wasn't getting the hang of like working in our office. Um, she had even, you know, bless her heart, had made a joke a couple weeks in about how, how bad at typing she was. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Right. And like, bless her heart. She was so sweet. And I thought she was just like the, the nicest girl, but she wasn't keeping up. And it felt like it was more work at that point, um, to have her there than to just do it alone. And again, like I was, really having shitty thoughts about it too. I wasn't managing my mind. I was um, super stressed and frustrated and overwhelmed because 
honestly, like I'd gone from functioning with a really high functioning scribe, really seeing a, a large volume of patients to then struggling um, and kind of becoming overwhelmed whenever I didn't have that high functioning system anymore. Um, and we weren't able to see as many as quickly and we were running really behind. I was really behind on my charts for a little while. Um, and, but it's not a huge deal for me. I can get caught up on those, but I got to the point where I was in a lot of brain drama. I had a lot of shitty thoughts and I was just like, damn it. Like hiring someone is supposed to make my life easier. And I just kept thinking that over and over because you know, that's what it felt like then. Right. And I wasn't realizing that I had any part to play in this either. (laughs) I was just like blaming everybody. I was blaming this poor girl. I was blaming my, my office manager for not training her better or for whoever. Right. I was looking for anybody to blame. And, you know, like, what does a thought like that do? Like, damn it, hiring someone's supposed to make my life easier. Like that just keeps me stuck feeling really shitty mostly. It doesn't help me move forward with helping her or guiding her or teaching her. It keeps me feeling super pissed. It keeps me feeling like I'm just, you know, at, at, you know, the, the expense of everybody. I'm, I'm, you know, the victim to this problem. It's everybody else's fault, right? It doesn't help me make a change at all, really. So about six weeks in and things weren't improving much at all. And that's when I had realized I had made mistake number two. And mistake number two was I hadn't spelled out exactly what it would look like to be successful. Okay. I hadn't told her what I wanted very specifically. I hadn't told her like down to the details of like how to be good at her job. I hadn't really even given her any idea of what what a a good scribe would look like. I hadn't told her what it would be like to get like the gold star or the A plus, right? Like I didn't give her a syllabus, right? I think that there were basically some job expectations listed on the job posting whenever she applied, but that was like it. Like whenever I looked back at this, I was like, oh, so this job expectations, like like the, the list of the expectations on the posting um, is basically like can type X amount of words per minute, um, must pass a drug test. Like it was like, you know, like general hiring stuff. And not that that's my job, you know, I am employed. So it is, it is my employer's job to set those expectations. But, um, but also like the ownership of what I want and what I need as someone on my team, I did not communicate that. Okay. I just kind of like, let it be that like, okay, you're here to help me and go, right? Like it wasn't spelled out like, you know, these, these are the things that you need to do every day and here's how you do them well, right? Like I may have told her like the things she needed to do, but I wasn't telling her like how, here's how doing them well would look. Here is, you know, um, what it would look like to not do a good job. You know, like I hadn't spelled that out really. Okay. It was just like, okay, well, if I'm not doing those, I'm not doing a good job, but I'm doing those. Um, and so it wasn't, just wasn't good. Okay. And so, you know, this, it, it's, it it really, you know, I think that looking back, I realized like, yeah, okay, we've got this generic job posting with some expectations. And then looking back this time too, like I realized, okay, they get an employee handbook, that says that she should have some integrity and like, you know, like those types of things. Here's our mission statement. 
but we hadn't really given her like the clear, like clear cut, like, like list of things that she needs to be doing. Right. And so whenever you spell it out for people and you tell them exactly how to be a good worker, that is when they can succeed. That is when they're going to know exactly what to do and they're going to work harder to do it because they want to be successful. Okay. And so the third mistake I'll tell you, okay, <laughs> was towards the end of this, um, you know, was, this was like a three month thing where it was just like spiraling in misery um, of essentially me trying to function as if we have a fully like functioning team, um, but limping along and like feeling super pissed the whole time, <laughs> super frustrated, super overwhelmed, super pissed. And so the third mistake was I wanted her to like me more than I wanted her to succeed as a good employee. And what I mean by that is that like I wanted her to like me so that maybe she would then enjoy coming to work and would want to work harder. And so like I didn't want her to like not like me or like be, you know, like I didn't want her to like judge me. Like uh, those were the thoughts I was having at the time is like I don't want her to like think bad about me. And I know, um, for my, you know, female listeners out there, um, you know, that identifies female, we often feel that I think on the floor. Um, we, we, we feel that on the floor. We feel that in the office. We feel that a lot of places where it's like, we don't want to come off as a bitch, right? Like if we raise our voice the same way, one of our male colleagues would, or if we, you know, called someone out on, you know, doing a bad job, in the same exact way, we would be just labeled like a bitch when, you know, one of the guys, like, we love you for it, but like you guys, if you call someone out, they're just like, oh yeah, he's kind of grumpy today. Or I don't think he had enough coffee. Like everybody kind of blows it off. But like, if we do that, there really is kind of a double standard there. And so growing up through medicine, we have to learn okay, how do I make nice with the nurses, right? Which is kind of bullshit, but kind of we do what we need to do, right? And and it is, I mean, it is bullshit, but (laughs) I'm not here to be a feminist today. Um, At least not, uh, not directly on this topic. Okay. Um, We are, you know, so we, we deal with that, but like, this was kind of that, that mistake that I made was I kept thinking like, okay, well, I can't come down hard on her because then she will, like check out and not want to work, right? Um, Like even more. And so it kind of came down to like, I was being really lenient. She wasn't doing the things that I thought she should do, but I also hadn't communicated those well. Um, But also she called in several times over, over just like a few weeks. And like, first it was like a flat tire and then it was like, she was sick and then like something else. And I was really, really, really working on giving the benefit of the doubt because I'm, I'm not the best at that sometimes. And so throughout this process, I was really trying to practice what I preach, right? I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, that must be so hard. You know, she's this young kid. She doesn't have her parents in town and she had a flat tire. Of course. Yeah. Like, uh, I hope she's okay. You know, and just trying to be like really, um, supportive and, and kind of compassionate towards that. Right. But, you know, so, so I didn't say much <laughs> and I believed her and I felt bad for her and I, and, and I was still supportive and I was still trying to be caring and, and, and kind after the, like the fifth 
I don't know, fifth or sixth time of this over a month, I was like, okay, hold up. <laughs> Maybe this is a pattern. <laughs> and so honestly, I had waited, I waited to tell someone longer than I wish I had. So I didn't talk to my office manager about it. Um, I didn't talk to, you know, the people that are in charge of this actual employee, like, and her, her being an employee, right? Like, that's not my job. So I, I didn't talk to the people whose job that was, because I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, which I think is important. But, but also, but also, <laughs> you can give someone the benefit of the doubt. And still take the proper channels of notifying the office manager to put in the proper documentation to have a talk with her about, hey, this um, this isn't, you know, what we typically do here. Here's, you know, let me remind you of our policy. Um, we need to, if we need to help you work on that in any way, you know, like having that just like quick little talk, you, you can still have, you know, compassion and be supportive and take those proper channels to help her be a good employee. And so the other thing is though, is that if you don't document appropriately in the moment and in a timely fashion, that's an HR issue. Okay. Um, you're going to have a harder time taking actions if that is not working out. Okay. Meaning HR is going to be like, no, you can't fire her. You didn't document it. <laughs> okay. No, we can't, we can't fix that because you waited too long. No, we can't do anything about it because you didn't have your office manager talk to her or document that conversation. Um, and, and, you know, on any of these little strikes. Right. And so, so my, my lesson here is, is, you know, you don't want to try and have someone like you and, you know, like, yeah, of course we want to be supportive of each other, but like, you can't people please, <laughs> Rebecca, people pleasing. You can't people please at the expense of like wanting someone to be a good employee and whenever we're talking about this kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, so nothing had been documented over the, you know, three month process that this was. And so, but, but luckily, I don't know, it kind of worked out once I talked with my office manager about what was going on and I didn't know if it was going to work out. And, um, She's kind of like, well, did you document any of this? And I was like, well, no, <laughs> I just now realized it was an issue. Um, anyway, there were other problems that then surfaced that I was unaware of. Um, and so uh, uh, unfortunately for her, but maybe fortunately for the team, it was, uh, she was let go and things worked out. Okay. Um, but had those other kind of unforeseen circumstances not been there, it would have actually been very difficult um, to fire her or to resolve that situation um, until we could prove, like, basically go through all of it, that whole pattern all over again, right? So anyway, don't try to keep people happy or try to avoid being the bad guy when something isn't working or when someone isn't meeting your basic expectations of the organization. Now, I'm not saying you need to go tattle if you're not happy. Um, you notice I wasn't like blaming her <laughs> to my office manager of like, no, this is terrible. She sucks. I think we got to fire her. You know, like I hadn't, you know, that wasn't like where we were at. 
you know, that's not the type of thing that you want to do. You, but if there are like tardiness and like calling out and, you know, no shows, that is an issue, of course. Anyway, talk to your own HR department about that. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not HR. Don't take HR advice from me. Um, I know nothing about legal stuff. Um, so don't take legal advice from me either. So anyway, reflecting on these three mistakes, right? you can reflect on these and you can apply these to anything. Okay. So don't make my mistakes y'all. Um, <laughs> right. So, so if we're, if we're going through, you know, if we're, if we're going back through those, the, the mistakes of number one, I didn't, um, I didn't tell her what it would be to succeed. Um, number two, Oh, number one, sorry. Yeah. Number one is I expected her to show up and function as if she was like a a first year intern resident. Right. And I expected her to be good to go. Like, all right, show up, do it. And like throw her to the wolves. Right. Like that's what, that's what happened to us. We just like, we're like, okay, we'll go see the triage patient. I've never seen a patient before, but okay. No, but like kind of right. We were kind of thrown to that. So we expect others to do the same. And that's, that's part of the the cycle of medicine. We got to break y'all because that is, is not, not a great way, right? Like, well, I suffered through it. So you need to, too, right? We've all heard that, but we don't want to keep perpetuating that. And then, you know, mistake number two, I didn't tell her what a rock star, a plus gold star scribe would actually do. I didn't tell her those things. I didn't tell her what my expectations were, not very clearly at least, okay? Um, I wouldn't, I didn't tell her what she needed to be doing to win. Um, if I had, likely she would have tried to win or get that gold star A plus maybe. Um, maybe not. I don't know. We never know, right? And then that third thing, I, I was wanting her to like me more than I wanted her to succeed as an employee, right? So, so those are the three things that I want you to kind of take with you. Um, and, and notice anybody can make these. I'm, I'm not going to beat myself up over this. Of course, I am reflecting on these so I can learn from them as we look for a new person to fill this position. And so what I am doing this time, I'm going to show you guys. Okay. You guys can go to the show notes. Okay. So in your podcast app, wherever you listen to your podcast, if you go to this episode, there'll be some little notes there and I'll have a link that you can click if you're interested, I, I think that everybody probably needs to look through this so that in any of the hierarchies that you are, um, you know, interacting with, you can kind of have an idea of like what I mean whenever I say you need to spell out exactly like to the T what they need to do to succeed. Okay. And so go click on this link and you can, um, you can sign up to download this, the, the letter or the, I guess it's like a checklist essentially that I am going to give, you know, my, my new scribe that we hired next. Okay. Um, and it is, I've got like a little letter and then there's like three pages of like a little outline of like, here is exactly what doing a good job will look like for you. Um, I want you to succeed. I know you want to succeed. So here are the things like spelled out, you know, every detail, because I think that, you know, having that exact list of expectations to provide, you know, uh, to someone is not only going to give them like a framework for like, oh, well, this is what I have to do. Hell yeah, I'm going to do it. Right. It's like whenever you get the syllabus at the beginning of the semester, you're like, okay, yeah, I got this. I can do that. And, and you know what you need to do to get your A plus. Right. And so, 
it's just like that, okay? It's like a syllabus. And so you can apply this to people that already work with you. Um, you can you can say like, hey, you know, you can write your own. You can copy paste some of mine. You can say, hey, you are, you know, my, my teammate, my MA, my, my support, whatever, you know. And this, if you did these things, it would be like, we would be the team that like was on fire. And this is, this is how we are going to just like rock it. You know, you can spell that out for someone that is currently working with you and it doesn't have to be in a demeaning way or in a way that is like, you know, going to make them feel bad. Right. And so if you're going to plan to hire anyone, um, even if it's like at your house, okay, nannies, housekeepers, parents, helpers at your house, um, spelling out like what's good, what's great, what is like rock star stellar, right? Um, it is a great way to get more usage out of the people that you do hire. Like not usage, that sounds terrible. Um, like, but to get more like bang for your buck, if you tell them exactly what, what, you know, this amazing babysitter I used to have, she would like, not only like take care of my kids, put them down, read to them. She would like, engage them in cleaning up before they went down somehow. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> but like now that's, I tell my, my people like, Hey, this is, this is what one of my, my former, um, uh, babysitters used to do. And I want you to try it. And here's all the things she used to do. And you know what, if you give them like a, like a, something to aspire to, guess what? They want to do that too. They want to go above and beyond. And so it's not really a, like I'm trying to like make them do more work. It's like they can take pride in what they're doing, knowing that they are rocking it out. Okay. And that's just like us. We do the same thing, y'all. Like if you, if I came to you and I said here, if you, if you did this list of things every day, just this list of things, this would be, you know, what you need to do to be like the best WGYN. You would probably go do it, right? I would. <laughs> I would go look at it and be like, yeah, hell yeah. If this is what it takes to be like, like, you know, gold star A plus, sure. And so we want to do that. Okay. So go click on the show notes. You can get a free copy of this. Okay. You can change the wording to fit whatever your job is that you're hiring for or whatever, you know, however you want to apply it. But also just seeing how I spell that out may be super helpful for you in cultivating your team of employees, like in your workspace, wherever that is, or your team of support staff at home. Okay. So if you have people that you hire to do your laundry um, or something like that, okay, we all have a team, okay, at work and at home, I feel like. And if you don't, like, I encourage you to cultivate that because having a team is, is what makes this life easier. <laughs> okay. But you have to set those expectations very clearly so you can set your team up for success. All right, friends, I will talk to you guys next week. Go to the show notes, click the, click the link so you can get a copy. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can always get more free help from me by going to my website, www.coach-miles.com and clicking on free resources. If this work has helped you and you're interested in learning more about getting out of burnout and up-leveling your life as an OBGYN, definitely check out my six-month coaching program, the Happy Gynecologist Group. You can always get more information on my website, coach-miles.com. <laughs>